You're listening to the Tudor in Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference podcast. The 10th annual Tudor in Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference took place at the Royal Irish Academy on the 19th and 20th of August 2022. The conference was generously supported by the Royal Irish Academy and Marsh's Library. As in previous years, the conference was recorded for podcasting by Real Smart Media in association with History Hub. You can access the archive of Tudor and Stuart Ireland Conference podcasts on History Hub's website, historyhub.ie, as well as on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify. In this episode, a recording of a paper by Brian McCourta from University of Oxford, entitled From Irish Protestant to Jesuit Novice, Francis Slingsby and Rome, 1633-1642. to Thank you very much. Uh, just a word of warm appreciation to the organisers of the Tudor Stewart uh, Conference, who once again, uh, after the gap of, of COVID, have brought us together in a, a most uh, convivial and uh, fraternal and scholarly uh, atmosphere, a community of uh, research and exchange. Right. So Francis Slingsby and Rome, 1633-42, to 42, from Irish Protestants to Jesuit novice. Foreign communities in early modern Rome have attracted scholarly interest in recent years. Regarding those arriving in the city from the Stuart realms of England, Ireland, Scotland, attention has widened from an earlier focus on ecclesiastics and seminary training to the inclusion of migrants of a broader occupational range, including those who are Protestants. However, with the notable exceptions of the Ulster earls who arrived in April 1608, and the career of the Irish Franciscan Luke Wadding, detailed treatment of the Roman sojourn of individuals is rare. For some who had been adherents of the established church at home, their stay coincided with conversion to the Roman church. For young men of the social elite, the exceptionally well-documented figure of Francis Slingsby, 1611 to 1642, enables us to explore the crucial role of a period living in the city for conversion to Catholicism and, in the case of this young man, in following a vocation to a religious order. I now move on to his upbringing in Cork and Oxford. Francis spent his first 16 years in the family home near Cork City. He was eldest son of Sir Francis Slingsby, a native of Yorkshire, and his wife, Dame Elizabeth. Sir Francis had come as a junior army officer to Munster about 1599 as the Nine Years' War was drawing to a close. Thereafter, he helped to reinforce government control of Cork City at the time of the Catholic Revolt in 1603. Knighted in 1605, wartime service helped launch his subsequent career as a provincial administrator in Munster, and in 1621 he was appointed to the Irish Privy Council. Marriage to Elizabeth Cuff daughter and co-heiress of the Munster plantation grantee Henry Cuff, brought an estate in North County Cork and consolidated his position within the province's colonial elite. Elizabeth's only sister, Dorothy, was married to Sir Charles Coote, who himself became a prominent landowner and military figure. In addition to these family ties, Coote and Slingsby were professional allies, members of the Irish Privy Council, with the shared antipathy towards recusancy, or the Catholicism, characteristic of their class. Schooled at home, in 1627, young Francis, together with his only brother Henry, then aged 14, were sent to Oxford, 
Francis spent five years at Trinity College there, and immediately after graduation, following the vogue for the Grand Tour, Sir Francis sent his elder son to the continent to acquire additional social and professional skills deemed requisite for the public career he envisaged for his heir. After a short time in France, Francis, together with a number of young Englishmen in a similar situation, decided to move on to Italy. In spring 1633, the opportunity arose for them to travel to Rome in the entourage of the newly appointed French ambassador. I now move to conversion in Rome in 1633. Arriving in the city about June 1633, Slingsby was living among young Englishmen who, like himself, were in Rome as part of the, the Grand Tour. Details on these travels and on the summer Francis spent in Rome emerged from a brief retrospective and edificatory account prepared under Jesuit auspices. According to this relation, at first these were cautious about associating with their co-nationals or fellow English in the exiled Catholic community, reflecting contemporary English aversion to the risk of conversion while in Italy and especially in Rome. However, through contact with contemporaries in the Venerable English College, he came to know the five English Jesuit priests living and working there. In this way, he met Father John Gerard, then in his 70s, spiritual father to the students, who soon became the young man's spiritual guide. Initially, Slingsby shared his own doubts regarding the Roman Church's claim to be the authentic and exclusive, to have authentic and exclusive succession to the primitive church. After several inconclusive discussions with the English fathers, he decided to take the writings of the 4th century St. Augustine as his criterion. But having often heard it alleged in England that the Catholics had falsified some of the texts of the church fathers, Slingsby was at pains to verify certain excerpts from Augustine, then in contemporary use, with the ancient manuscripts. The Jesuits facilitated the young man's access to relevant codices recently transferred from Heidelberg to the Vatican Library. This studious consideration of the theological evidence was part of the inner struggle in, while in Rome in summer of 1633. Consult consultation of these earlier texts confirmed for Francis the contemporary validity of the Roman Church. As recounted in this relation, the travel companions were horrified that Francis was moving towards Catholicism and sought to dissuade him. However, at the end of the summer spent in Rome, Francis finally decided to become a Catholic. In all this period, he was closely accompanied by several Jesuits. As part of that process, forming the normal, following the normal procedure for those newly arrived who wished to live in the city, and about whom there was a suspicion of heresy, as indicated by their origin in a Protestant kingdom, Slingsby presented himself to the Roman Inquisition, to spare him a public appearance and reflective of Jesuit attention to him, it was arranged that he would make the customary formal repudiation of heresy in private at the home of the Inquisition assessor. Some days later, he was formally received into the Catholic Church. The date was 8th of September, the feast of the birth of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Short, shortly after his conversion, he undertook an eight-day silent retreat with John Gerard following the Ignatian spiritual exercises, it was during this retreat, as he himself subsequently related, that he experienced a vocation to join the Society of Jesus or the Jesuits. Now, move, I move on to his Jesuit vocation. At the time of his conversion, as he was considering the Jesuit vocation, the English fathers provided him with the text of the Society's rules, presumably one of the 
many editions of a compendium that was then in circulation among Jesuits at the time. In summer 1633, Slingsby also met two leading figures on the Roman scene, both of whom were captivated by him and sought to advance him in various ways. Francesco Barberini, cardinal nephew of Pope Urban VIII, was cardinal protector of the English. Among many offices, he also held that of Vatican librarian and secretary of the Roman Inquisition, in which roles he encountered Slingsby. Francis was one of a number of exiles from the Stuart realms in whom the Cardinal Protector took an interest. Having expressed an, a wish to enter the, the Society of Jesus, the visitor also met Muzio Viteleschi, the Jesuit general, and giving issues concerning Fran, uh, Francis's patrimony, he was the eldest son, and the rupture with his father, it was decided that entry into the Society was to be deferred until the candidate returned home to attend to family matters in Ireland. Okay. So I now move on to his time as a layman uh, in the English college. So in addition to facilitating contact with suitable spiritual guides, the venerable English college in Rome, while functioning from 1579 primarily as a seminary to train Catholic priests, continued the earlier role of hospice or lodging for English travellers. Those who were cont contemplating conversion to Catholicism were especially welcome. For in the college, they would experience Catholic life at first hand and receive instruction. Thus, on the 13th of July of 30, 1633, Francis enters the college for the customary limited stay as a pilgrim, together with another young Englishman under Jesuit guidance, and both converted to the Catholic Church. Francis's return to Ireland, however, was delayed by a bout of severe illness of the joints from about the beginning of March 1634. He moved back into the college where he received care in his sickness, which lasted for two months. And in this time, he dictated a letter to his father, sharing news of his conversion to Catholicism. The father, Sir Francis, back in Cork, was enraged and ordered the son to come home forthwith. Among the Jesuits in Rome, it was decided that the young man would, would indeed go back to Ireland, arrange the settlement of his patrimonies, and seek to convert family members before returning to Rome for his studies. Eventually, in May 34, he left Rome, travelling via Milan, Turin, Turin, Paris, and London, staying with Jesuits in these cities before arriving here in Dublin in June 34, 1634. So I now move on to his uh, uh, Dublin to Rome via France in a few years later. We skip, we move on to 1637. While Francis was attending to family business in Ireland and living within the ambit of the Jesuits there, the Jesuit general insisted that Slingsby would return speedily to Rome to start his novitiate, his training as a Jesuit. Threatened with legal processes arising from his involvement in his, Francis, his sister's conversion, in late 1637, Francis fled Dublin for the continent, though he was largely bereft of resources for the journey. While in London, however, he encountered uh, James Tushet, the third Earl of Castlehaven, uh, who had befriended him some years previously in Ireland. The Earl persuaded Slingsby to travel with him in France as companion and match tutor. They were almost contemporaries, and he remained there in France with the nobleman for about a year. From Avignon, about November 1638, Francis then journeyed towards, the Ro towards Rome with another candidate for the Jesuit novitiate in that city. Robert Sproyle was a Scotsman, 
born near Glasgow in Scotland. Like many of his countrymen, as a youth, he had spent time as a mercenary on the continent before returning to join a noble household. And in that capacity, he moved here to the Viceroy Regal Court in Dublin, where in 1634 he met Slingsby. As a result of their friendship, the Scotsman too became a Catholic and desired to follow a Jesuit vocation. They arrived in the English College Rome in mid-February 1639. In September of that year, Sproil, the Scotsman, joined the novitiate of the, Je- of the Roman Jesuit province at Sant'Andrea al Quirinale in the, in the city, but Slingsby remained in the English College as a seminarian, while discussions involving his brother, Henry, continued about his patrimony. So now I move to his time as an English college seminarian for the two years 1639 to 41. The recently arrived seminarian was a gifted and assiduous student, both at Oxford and subsequently while on the continent, where at the beginning of his sojourn, he dedicated himself to learning French and Italian. He had a particular gift and passion for maths, nurtured while at Oxford. The English college was a residence for seminarians, and these had their academic formation in the Jesuit-staffed Collegio Romano. Thus, in 1639-41, Slingsby attended the philosophy course at the Collegio Romano. Thanks to the contribution of the Jesuit mathematician Clavius, maths had formed part of the curriculum there. Slingsby continued his interests by following a weekly maths lecture. He also corresponded with Giovanni Antonio Rocca. This guy was at the centre of a lively network of mathematicians in mid-17th century Italy. Zeal for conversions to the Roman Church when he would return to the Stuart realms motivated Francis as a student. In order to prepare himself to refute Protestant appeal to the Bible, together with a fellow English seminarian, he received special permission to read from the Greek New Testament for half an hour on particular days. As at the student recreation, Slingsby would relate encounters with Protestants, drawing on his previous life in Ireland and England, stories which made an impression on his hearers. At the end of the philosophy course, he was ordained priest in July 41. There had been concerns about Francis's health since his arrival in Rome. To escape the unhealthy summer in the city, the Jesuit fathers arranged that, exceptionally, this uh, English seminarian would spend time in the Jesuit houses in the hills east of Rome, where he undertook the menial task of washing dishes with a Jesuit brother. Slingsby was admitted to the Jesuit novitiate in Rome, located opposite the Quirinale Palace, where the president lives today, and moved there on the 20, evening of the 29th of September, 1641, and uh, a group, a gang of his companions from the English College accompanied him uh, across, the, across the city. I now move on to his life as a Jesuit novice in Rome and Naples for the two years, 1641 to 1642. The novitiate community in Rome in 1641 comprised a total of almost 50 novices, including 11 brother novices, those who who would not be priests, for the two-year programme. In addition, there was a senior Jesuit community comprising seven priests, together with 17 brothers. So it's a big, a big, large uh, house of uh, a group of people, men. While most novices were Italian, drawing from, were drawn from the territory of the Roman Jesuit province, kind of in the middle of, in the middle of Italy, it was normal that a small proportion came from fur- further afield, including from the Stuart realms. For the years 1636 to 44, for example, we know of 12 men, 
from England, Ireland and Scotland who entered the Roman novitiate. While in, uh, in this novitiate, in this community, Slingsby maintained Irish friendships. These included Morris Ward, the name suggests Donegal. They had known each other in Jesuit circles in Dublin in the mid-30s. And in 1641, Ward himself moved to Rome as a student in the Irish College. The novice director and the house superior was a man called Giovanni Paolo Oliva, future general or superior uh, of, the, of the Jesuits worldwide. In September 1642, his superiors decided that uh, Stingsby would transfer to the gentler climate of Naples, a move dictated by the man's deteriorating health. Short changes of residence for health reasons were not uncommon in the student communities of early modern Rome. Francis was sent to the large house, Jesuit House of Studies in the city of Naples, a community which in 1642 numbered 127 men. Huge. About mid-November, his, his condition worsened. The Naples Jesuit provincial admitted uh, Francis de Vos into society, so speeding up his, incorpor his, his incorporation, and Francis himself died there on the 6th of December, 1642. He was just over 31 years of age. Among those English seminarians and Jesuit novices, with whom Slingsby had lived in Rome and for the last weeks of his life in Naples, he had gained a reputation for holiness, as indicated in the series of testimonies requested by his Jesuit superiors and written after his death. Zeal for conversions. While in Rome, Slingsby's zeal for conversions in his homeland, whether in Ireland or in England, remained strong. In his first Roman sojourn, he was moving among young Englishmen for whom embracing the Roman church was a significant issue, a significant struggle, a significant uh, choice. And Francis followed with interest the progress, their progress as new converts. While in the English college, this ardour to engage with Protestants also found expression in a commitment to improve his familiarity with the Greek uh, Bible. Aspects of his of his life of prayer is remembered by his co-novices, similarly reflect his identity as a convert, keen to welcome suffering in defense of the Catholic faith. Gaining Protestants for the Catholic faith preoccupied him and surfaced in various ways. A powerful incentive derived from his view, common in Catholic circles, that Protestantism was linked with the devil, an outlook which he shared. While with two novices, probably on their weekly recreation, on a lengthy morning walk across Rome, Slingsby spent the entire duration defending the Blessed Virgin Mary against, quote, the heretics, who, in his view, might lessen devotion to her. He further observed that should Protestants have the opportunity to see the community's uh, edifying way of life in the novitiate, more would be converted by many homilies. Similarly, when a relative from England or Ireland came to visit in Rome, Slingsby asked the novices to pray for the, uh, for the visitor's conversion. Okay, we finish. Yeah, a Slingsby's, purge, uh, Slingsby's spiritual profile was compounded by an early death. Of a delicate constitution, both Roman sojourn, sojourns were characterised by bouts, bouts of severe ill health. Within, he died at, at the age of thirty-one, and within the society, he could, he could be located among those youthful figures of noble family. Aloysius Gonzaga died 23, Stanislaw Zukowska died age 18, who, forsaking a public career and overcoming massive opposition from their families, had achieved holiness in a short time. 
within days of his death, the process of furnishing written testimony to his exceptional spiritual qualities had begun. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this podcast from the Tudor and Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference. You can access the entire archive of Tudor and Stuart Ireland Conference podcasts on History Hub's website, historyhub.ie, as well as on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify.